Hello, this is Mitch Wagner. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. We're here today with J.P. Hemingway, CEO of SES Networks, a company that runs a fleet of orbiting satellites to provide, among other things, data network connectivity here on Earth. They're using the Open Networking Automation Project for management, and J.P. is going to talk to us about that. Welcome, J.P. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you, Mitch. Uh, delighted to be talking to you. Okay, so tell me a little bit. First of all, did I is it SES or SES? Did I get that right? Uh, we tend to say SES. Yes, so SES okay. Network is the division that I have the pleasure of looking after. All right, so that's uh, I, I, I've cleared that hurdle of accuracy so far. Tell me a little bit more about um, SES Networks and, and what you guys do. Sure, so SES Networks is the data division of the SES Group. Uh, we provide data connectivity solutions on a global basis predominantly over our satellite infrastructure. And as you correctly said, we, we have a large fleet up there, uh, over 70 satellites that we're able to use selectively depending on what we need, what applications, et cetera, and, and deliver connectivity pretty much anywhere where you would want to go to on the earth, whether that's uh, whatever piece of landmass you want to go to, whether you're on a ship or on an aircraft, uh, we can pretty much reach anywhere you need to from a communications perspective. So what is the advantage to getting uh, data and networking connectivity from orbiting satellites in space versus on Earth? Great question. Uh, we would like to say because of the scale that we have, we are a truly global connectivity company. Um, you know, of course, fiber optics are you know, well connected around the world, but they're not everywhere. And also fiber optics tend to be somewhere you need to plan in advance, dig into trenches, pull over poles, etc., what we're able to do, particularly with the newer satellites, which are more software controlled, you can set up, say, a ring connection today with satellite connectivity, press the button, and it's a mesh connectivity the day after. Obviously, you can't do that with fibers and trenches. So that's one of the advantages if you think of what we call terrestrial-based networking. The other thing is you can't get a fiber to some places. If you're sailing on a ship or you're uh, you know, cruising across the, the skies in an aircraft, you can't really drag a fiber behind those. So obviously that's the obvious ones. Is if, you, if you're mobile, you need to have other ways of being connected and satellite is a, is a great ubiquitous way to connect all of those things moving or static. So we think it gives us incredible flexibility and incredible reach, which is two of the two big advantages. Okay, and you, you've recently launched a, an ONAP initiative. So tell us a little bit about what ONAP is and, and how it's gonna be working for you. Yeah, we're really pleased about this milestone, and so we announced it just last week. Um, one of the things that we really want to do, both with SES, but frankly also where I think the satellite industry needs to go to, is we can't be niche. You know, We can't be the point of last resort when you've got nothing else to, to go after. And typically, we've had very proprietary systems, all very good systems, but proprietary in nature, fairly closed architectures, and we've done things that was called them special. We really need to change that. If we want to seamlessly extend networks to, you know, to reach many thousands of locations, we want to seamlessly integrate ourselves into other people's systems and frankly get access to some of the fantastic innovation that's gone on into terrestrial networking for service automation, speed of provisioning, and all those kind of things, you need to embrace some of these newer technologies. So I tend to phrase this as we must we must make satellite seamless. Um, how do we seamlessly appear that you don't really care it's over satellite, we're just a data link. Uh, and the data link can be controlled, automated, flexed, as if it was over fiber, it can now do the same thing as over satellite. So one of the things that we try and do, and I tend to think about this in three steps, 
you know, we've got to go through something that's standardized, then we can automate it, and then ultimately we can orchestrate it and orchestrate not just networks, but also network functions and services. So we started down this path some time ago. Um, we actually said, well, how do we get our services to appear more standard? This goes back to when we certified our network services, our Ethernet services over the satellite infrastructure to use the MEF uh, Carry Ethernet 2.0. We're still the only satellite operator that actually has that certification. And what it means, if you want to stitch together a service that goes, I don't know, from Australia through Europe to, to London, for example, yeah, and two-thirds of that is over fiber, but one-third goes off-net over satellite, you, you better hope it all performs the same, same jitter, same, same wonder, same performance. So we achieved that as the first step, standardization. What this next step in embracing ONAP is really taking that to the next level so we can actually do those two second things, which is automate and orchestrate. So now what we can do with ONAP is have a great network automation capability, which for us is great in our operational basis. We can really deliver services uh, much more seamlessly, much quicker, get a better time to market and have a great global uh, network delivery system automated via the standard network controls you get from, from, from ONAP. But the second piece of it is we also are able to deliver network functions to the very edge of our network, which we find is a great thing, again, to get services quicker into the hands of our customers. But where these customers are, again, think about them as hard to reach places on ships, on aircraft, uh, in government locations, they want access to those applications. They don't want to be restricted about what kind of network functions and services they can deliver. So this ONAP capability that we're rolling in place is to do automation, uh, quicker time to market, quicker service provisioning, enable, uh, enable network function delivery to the edge, and do it in a way that makes us seamless to integrate with. And ONAP, as you know, has been selected and adopted by many of the largest carriers around the world, most of which are our customers and partners. And over over time, we hope to be able to seamlessly integrate so they can extend off net. It sounds to me like you're looking at ONAP to achieve a few different goals here. Um, one of them is, is to make it so that the service providers that you're partnering with don't even have to be aware that their data is traveling through space. It's just another connection to them. That's is exactly that, right. Is, is that basically it? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, as I said, it's making satellite seamless means we need to hide some of the complexities. And there are some. Satellite, you know, some of our satellites are moving. You know, we have two types of satellites, some that are far out in geostationary uh, orbital slots, uh, 36,000 kilometers away that are fairly static. Some of them are closer, what we call the medium Earth orbit, and those satellites actually move. They actually uh, orbit around the equator. And a lot of our endpoints, our customers move as well. So there are some complexities about running over satellite, but we want to, we want to put those to one side. Our customers shouldn't see those. They should have the standard service catalog and be able to access that service catalog, regardless of whether it's back and forwards in space or not. So yeah, absolutely right, Mitch. All right, so let's take, let's take a break for a moment, and then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more, and we'll see if I can remember what uh, the two other things I thought you were trying to do here are. We'll okay. be right back. What do you really know about 5G? Did you know 5G might soon replace all those wires at the hospital? Did you know that the 5G icon is mostly nonsense? Get the latest on 5G at the 5G Exchange, a free industry portal powered by Light Reading, providing you with the critical insight you need on 5G emerging trends and technologies. Visit us today at www.the5gexchange.com. 
And we're back. And we're back for the Mitch Wagner memory test episode. Um, I think that the second thing you were trying to do here, it looked like, is, I mean, look, I haven't been on cruises myself, but I've talked to people who've been on cruises, and they all say that regarding internet connectivity, it's just terrible. Um, it's, it's intermittent, it's slow, it's very expensive. And it sounds to me like you want to use ONAP and your own network to really improve quality of service in that situation and also in, in all the other shipboard and airplane applications that you're serving. That's right. Uh, and I, I think perhaps your friends haven't been on, a, on the cruise ships that we power. But uh, no, certainly, yeah, I mean, but if we oh, looked okay. at what we had to challenge, I go back to what people used to perceive satellite as. It was a few megabits trickling through. It was expensive. The delay was terrible. And we had to fundamentally change that. So one of the things we've done is innovate in space. So, you know, just like you do with all the terrestrial WDM systems and, and Ethernet systems, you take advantage of Moore's laws to get the very best technology lighting fibers. Of course, we do the same by getting the very, very best advances in the sky. And then by launching those into uh, these medium Earth orbits, we're able to deliver something that challenges all three of those aspects. So we absolutely can deliver not just a few trickling megabits, but we're delivering two gigabits in some cases to some of these cruise ships. You know, that's factors of a thousand times more than they're used to. And the delay is much better, um, run seamless things like, you know, Skype and video calling, all those things uh, are absolutely seamless. So we can do those things and that's the raw connectivity. But again, the flexibility to maintain a certain SLA, the certain quality of service, when all of these, again, use that same example, all of these ships are moving around and on their itineraries, our satellites are moving around, that needs control. That needs automation, that needs orchestration. So again, yes, some of the network automation pieces that ONAP delivers are absolutely part of that. And when that same ship says, hey, I think I'd like to have a, a new piece of optimization software delivered. Uh, I'd like to run a different security protocol. I'd like to enable a new application to my corporate VPN. Now that we've got ONAP, we can deliver an NFV application seamlessly down onto the servers at the end of our connectivity point. So again, that's another thing that we can do for our customers on that basis. Okay, and that does lead to my own perception, at least of a third area that you're hoping to leverage ONAP with, which is really part of an effort to actually compete with some forms of terrestrial networking. I mean, my perception, and I think it's a common wisdom about satellite networking is that it really is a network of last resort. Um, if you're in the middle of the desert, if you're in the middle of an ocean, if you're flying at 500 miles an hour, you need a satellite. But if you can get away without using a satellite, you're better off without it. But you you, you seem to be wanting to uh, We, we have to. We absolutely have to challenge. If, if you're the, the, the point of last resort, that's typically not a high-valued partnership that people bring. So as I said, some of the underlying raw performance, we've done incredible things in the space industry to challenge what people think in terms of the performance, the speed the capacity of that link. Um, but raw raw connectivity isn't enough. So we actually absolutely be able to say, well, you shouldn't care. It's seamless. We've got the same APIs to control it. You can do bandwidth on demand. You can flex it when you need it. All the things that you think you could do on your terrestrial network, we just seamlessly extend beyond that. Um, but more importantly, I go back to a point we were talking about earlier, that the flexibility the satellite can provide is it is software definable. We have got incredible software control over our satellites themselves. And what they can do is form networks pretty much on demand. As quick as you can roll out a small antenna and get it on the side of a building or a cell tower, once it's there, we can, as I said before, we can do a certain topology day one, 
and then change that via this network automation with ONAP and actually put a star or a mesh configuration. We think that's very compelling. So if we're solving performance, we're solving delay, we're, we're using all the advances in space with the next generation chipsets up there to get the economics better. Once you've solved those, you then become a comparable connectivity medium. But if you don't automate it, you don't allow it to be seamlessly integrated, it still won't be used. So that's the last two pieces we're solving with some of these ONAP uh, capabilities. So what are the next use cases that you can see where you start to challenge terrestrial networks? So I think we are, of course, used where terrestrial fiber isn't today. And what we're challenging is maybe it shouldn't be the right thing to do regardless. So if you don't have fiber in some of these locations on land, uh, we would like to demonstrate that you probably shouldn't in some cases. Um, or if you do, it might just be one fiber strand with no resilience. And therefore, we can show that you've got a super smart, resilient way to have both fiber and satellite working seamlessly together. So I think we need to challenge the reach of terrestrial networks and see that we can extend beyond the reach with satellite capabilities. We also see and are doing an awful lot of 4G cell tower backhaul today. And again, that's that's rounding out where we don't have the perfect terrestrial infrastructure. We've proven that 4G works just just fine over satellite connectivity, and we're able to get these satellite connected, these satellite towers connected way quicker than waiting for a fiber connection to be dug out to those locations. So we think that is a you know a really strong use case, and we're seeing it today. We also think that 5G is something that will be something else that requires an incredible amount of densification. Uh, of cell towers effectively. And I think instead of having a fiber connection in the city uh, and then trying to dig more trenches and roll more fibers out, which costs a lot of money, if you can augment on top of the fiber, extra topology, extra connectivity to have um, these cell towers enabled by a satellite, we think that's a great use case. And just like those next gen cell towers where we connect to, we absolutely are enab enabling uh, a compute at the edge. Uh, and satellites exceptionally good at broadcasting updates to those edge nodes. So we also think that when they become sort of nano data centers or servers at the edge, we're already working with how we orchestrate functions and capabilities out to those compute edges. That's not just for, for cell backhaul, but you know, enterprise locations, everything else. So if we can do all of those things, but we can get to these user locations quicker without digging fiber, or if fiber is there, seamlessly restoring or load balancing across fiber using things like SD-WAN, which is a technology, the first technology actually will be rolling out on ONAP, then we think we have a great complementary or, in, or indeed a replacement to fiber strategies. Okay, that's really interesting. Um, and I think it's a conversation we'll want to have another day because we're running out of time and we haven't even talked about an interesting aspect of the ONAP implementation, which is that you're actually working with Amdocs and Microsoft on this. So talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, as we looked around, uh, as I said, there are some things that are unique to us, but we wanted to try and leverage as much of the standards capabilities um, that are out there. So of course, ONAP was volunteering itself because of the, the sort of better adoption it's getting across the industry. Now, we already have a, a really good partnership with Microsoft. Obviously, we use them within our own operations and, and using the cloud of, to, to across our, you know, our enterprise team. But certainly when we thought about the scale that we would need, we're a global company with our global satellite connectivity, having a ONAP that can be hosted within an Azure, Microsoft Azure domain with its global IP network connecting all together was a natural fit. 
know, the global scale we have and the global scale of Azure was a really complementary fit that, that we wanted to get access to. And of course, with the great work that Microsoft's doing in having all of these new virtual network functions been able to be seamlessly hosted in, if you like, a marketplace in Azure allowed us with a great access to network functions. But we didn't want to do all this ourselves. And you're also working with MDocs, That's correct? right. So having thought about how we could have this thing hosted on global scale, we needed a great partner who could help develop, take the very best of the ONAP standards using such as things as the, the Dublin release, bring that into our environment, uh, have it hostable by the Azure domain, deliver an NFV orchestration capability. When we spoke to Amdocs, they just got it. They understood that we were unique in some of our use cases, but that we, that we wanted to leverage all of the standards that ONAP uh, delivered. So uh, they've been great partners so far. We're certainly moving from design phase implement into implementation phase, but their experience in working with large carriers uh, certainly uh, meant that they were a great partner for us to work with and very much looking forward to rolling this out uh, over the coming months and guess a journey of years. Great. So let's uh, let's just leave it there. Um, I'd like to once again thank our guest, J.P. Hemingway, CEO of SES Networks. Thanks for joining us, J.P. My absolute pleasure. All right. I'm Mitch Wagner from Light Reading. Thanks for listening to this Light Reading podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Show notes are available at lightreading.com and you can get the podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast software. Thanks for listening and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com. Bye for now. Bye for now.